gets it to first. The Browns are world champions. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. They reach the summit of the Avalanche for 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Episode 158 of Four Future Considerations. Hello. And welcome to another weekend and another episode of the OT on For Future Considerations. The guys are all here. I'm Manning, Matt, and John are here. Fellas, isn't this the greatest time of year for sports fans? It's amazing. I love it? it. You have basketball, you have hockey, you have football, you have baseball playoffs. Like, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the absolutely the best time of year to be a sports fan. Did you start that list with basketball? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it is preseason basketball, yeah. right? Maybe Rashad's into the preseason. Basketball? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Great, great time here. Great time here. It's it's because you, you don't have. Do you have an allegiance to a basketball team? Like, would you say you're a Raptor fan? No, no, I'm a I'm a bandwagon fan totally. That's why you like the NBA because you don't have uh, you're not going to get your heart broken. That is true. That is very true. Yeah, you're not going to get your heart broken by the Jays, by the Canucks, by the Uh, BC Lions. That's why you like it. uh, That's that's why you like the NBA. Okay, I I can I can respect that. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Rashad, you let us know when you want to go to a Pistons game. We're going. <laughs> See my favorite usher in the world. I guarantee See, you, you she's go. still at LCA. <laughs> she's got to be. It's a great time of year indeed. Uh, this is our second episode of the week. The episode we like to call the OT Overtime since it is our second episode. That's right, and if you missed our first one, our debate episode earlier this week, go back and check it out. We talked about the baseball playoffs. We talked about the NHL season. We uh, delved into the big important pie issue yet again. So definitely go back and check that out. Yeah, so one of the big things that's happening in, in the world of sports right now, I haven't watched a second of it because MLB TV is completely hooped every international fan. Good thing there's not a lot of people that watch baseball internationally, that every baseball game in the playoffs is blacked out because of their TV restrictions. So how have the baseball playoffs been, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been watching it. Big time drama. <laughs> I like it. You're missing out. I'd love to watch it. Too bad I paid for the whole year and only got the regular season. What a joke that is, wow. isn't it? Yeah, that's terrible. The Blue Jays are hell of having a hell of a postseason, Matt. You're missing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how about the hockey uh, thing now? Now you got to buy SN now that the NHL doesn't broadcast NHL games on the NHL app anymore. They get their ugly sister to do it. So I don't have that either. So tell me how the NHL season's going. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Like, why are these leagues making it more difficult for fans to fall in love with their sport? Especially the younger fan. It's brainless. It makes no sense. I what like tell me right now what the point of having the NHL app is. Like your your entire league. I can find out what the score is. I had it because I could stream games. Now I can't even stream games. Now I have to buy 
a TV package? I haven't had TV, like actual TV, in almost 10 years. I'm not buying a TV package. I don't even get to pick what broadcast I want to watch. I don't get the audio from the home and the away or, or get to pick between the home and the away. Uh, no, I'm not buying an, oh, good, I get WWE if I want to buy this package. I'm not paying for this. It's, it's, it's terrible. You wouldn't even. You would only you would only be able to watch your favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens, twice a week. If they played on another day other than Wednesday or Saturday, you wouldn't be able to watch them using I that app. I, like I, I'm telling you, I'm going to spend more money on a live Montreal Canadiens game this year than I am buying any sort of viewing TV package from the NHL. Forget it, guys. I'm not. I'm not doing it. The thing that I don't understand, they didn't do this in the States. In the States, the NHL app, as far as I know, still works because they didn't hand it all over to ESPN and TNT like they have in, in Canada to Rogers. Yeah. And like, I will never buy Sportsnet now. That will never, ever happen. So they're going to they're gonna this, lose fans. This just smells like a de- sweet deal between the NHL and Rogers sure. to make up to make up for the Rogers purchase of NHL rights when they paid overpaid, mm-hmm. what was it? $5.4 billion yeah. for 10 yeah. years. Billion or with a B. It was, 12 yeah. years. Yeah. It's insane. It's of course it is. It's insane. two massive billion dollar companies that like, I, I don't, I don't have the, the money apparently or, or the wherewithal to even express interest in the NHL right now. I'm not buying a TV network's cable package so I can watch the NHL. Forget it. There is, you are very quickly forgetting there is a lot of really, really good hockey outside of the NHL. I would rather watch CIS hockey or U Sports hockey right now than I would the NHL because it's in my town. It cost me maybe eight to ten dollars to go see it. I would watch junior OHL hockey. I work for a junior B team. I watch junior C hockey. I watch minor midget hockey. I watch U sixteen hockey. If if I go an entire year without watching an NHL season, I can overwhelm myself with hockey. That's pretty damn good. So I'll be just fine. Thank you very much. Let me know how everything turns out. I'm still going to watch the NHL, but obviously I'm going to watch a lot less because I'm not going to have access to all of the games. That's what it comes down to. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, speaking of hockey, it is our subject for our guest this week on the OT. This guy is a 19-year-old from Tecumseh playing in his hometown in the Ontario Hockey League. He just returned to the OHL after spending time in the NHL and AHL camp for the New York Islanders after being drafted in the fifth round at the 2022 entry draft. He's coming off a season where he scored 38 goals, 85 points. He's also one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, Matthew Maggio. How's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I think I think that's probably the best uh, the best intro I've ever got. So I think you're ranking number one right now. Listen, I could go on. 
but I only I know that I only have a few minutes with you here. So um, it's it's great to see you. Welcome back. Um, I, I got to say, do you go by Matthew or Matt? Like, does it bother you? No, I, I don't really care. I, I feel like Matt's usually the go-to, but I don't know. My family's always Matthew or, or Matty. Matty's the one that, I don't know, I only let my, my aunt and my grandma call me that. So <laughs> usually Matt or Matthew. Matty's, Matty's uh, you got you to earn that one. And is Matt, you're doing good if Matthew, if you're in trouble, is that what it I means? think so, yeah. yeah, my, yeah. Mom, my mom will always switch it up. If I hear Matthew, I know that I did something wrong, so what's the nickname? What do the boys call you? Yeah, I got um, Maj right now. It uh, kind of changes where I am. Some guys say Meg, some guys say Maj, some Maj. Uh, kind of changes. Um, when I played in Ottawa, uh, a lot of French guys, so they'd go Maggie. Um, but generally around that, if you can put M-A-G-G together, you should have it however you want to. <laughs> well, it's great to see him. Uh, playing for the Windsor Spitfires, being a Tecumseh boy, how is it playing in your hometown? Yeah, it was. I think it kind of just um, hit me when I when I was when I didn't have the chance to come back. I think that was kind of the first time that I was like, wow, how how lucky that I kind of have been for the last few years just to be able to live at home. And I know that every game, my my family and friends are coming out to support me. And um, I just I think I. I, I finally realized just how lucky I am, and um, obviously being able to live at home is, is the biggest blessing in the world. I got my mom who cooks every day, and my dad who's a strength coach, so uh, if I ever need anything or, or want to do an extra workout, I can do that. And I got a shooting room in the basement, so I'm down there every night working on my shot. I, I think I got one of the best setups, so I can't really complain. Some people I talk to when I've asked them, about playing in their hometown, they say, yes, there's added pressure playing in front of family and friends. Do you feel that pressure or do you feed off that pressure? I think I definitely feed off it. I think I, I'm a guy that uh, I'd enjoy a sold out crowd more than, than an empty crowd. And I know everyone's not really like that, but um, I think I get up when, when there's more people and more pressure on me. So I think those are my favorite games to play in. And uh, obviously, it took a, a bit to get used to. I mean, definitely when I was younger, I don't know. I, I definitely did feel the pressure, and I think that came from maybe just not having a big role on the team and, and knowing that I, I had limited ice time and stuff like that. But I, I think just now being an older guy and uh, knowing that I'm going to play a lot and um, have a chance to score or get an assist and, and make the fans kind of uh, stand up. I think that's that's something I kind of look forward to. I crave it uh, every every time I go on. Well, you did that a lot last year. 38 goals, uh, 85 points, but you started your OHL career in Ottawa. So you basically moved from one end of the province to the other. How was that? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was obviously crazy. I came into camp in Ottawa as a, a fifth rounder and uh, I didn't know uh, if I was going to make it. Uh, I only brought, I mean, a little duffel bag worth of three, maybe four days worth of clothes. And uh, I came into camp. I wanted to go to college. Uh, I was talking to D1 schools, and that's kind of what my mind was set on. And uh, I, went into, I went into the camp, and, and I had a good camp. Ended up making the team, and uh, I was asked if, if I wanted to stay there or uh, keep my eligibility and, and go to college. And 
I mean, it was just so hard to pass up. I mean, uh, growing up in Windsor, obviously you hear about the OHL, kind of the guys that have been through it. And that's ever, every kid's dream growing up is to play in the OHL. So I thought with the team that I had in Ottawa, and uh, especially Andre Turney, he's the coach of Arizona now, um, it was just so hard to pass up. So uh, I started there and we had an unbelievable team that year. Uh, we won 14 straight in the playoffs, uh, ended up losing the finals, but I think that was just so cool just to kind of have the guys that I had on my team that year and seeing where they are now, it was, it was definitely a great first year. So you wouldn't have changed a thing because I, I like to ask guys in the OHL if they ever considered the NCAA and what did it come down for you? I know you talked about being able to play for Andre Tourne, but what else went into that decision-making? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a lot as a 15-year-old kind of having to determine the next few years of your life and honestly it can mean a lot. So I think the big thing for me was kind of getting that school package right away um if i if i went d1 i mean it's a verbal commitment but uh you still got three years to kind of have to play and figure that route out and i didn't know where i was going to play i mean i knew if i went to college i'd have to play a year of junior b and i i didn't know if that was kind of right for me um i think it was it's definitely tough trying to find routes once you get to college obviously it's great and i have buddies that are there now and they they love it but just getting there uh, is definitely tough, especially in Ontario. I mean, if I was from the States, maybe it'd be a different story because uh, you can play in the USHL or NAL and there's more exposure. But uh, being from Ontario, you're not really getting looked at uh, to go across and, and, and play D1 and try to find leagues that they can play you as a 16-year-old. So I think just being able to kind of have a roster spot and, and know that uh, I got my school package was, was probably the biggest thing. You talked about that one year in Ottawa, and then, then you got traded to Windsor. Um, what was going through your head at that time? Did you know that was coming? No, I, uh, I had no clue. It kind of blindsided me. I know I know now that uh, it was kind of in, in, in the works for a few months there. But, um, yeah, no, I, I went to the rink one day, and I was playing a game of pickup with my buddies. And as a joke, I, I took a, a spit sweater from my dad's closet, and wore it to the rink, uh, being all funny. And uh, I get off the ice and I get a call from my agent and uh, he just basically says uh, that I got traded to Windsor if I want to accept it because I had a no trade clause. So uh, it was it was a long, long night and uh, I think I definitely had to do a lot of thinking, but uh, I reached out to a lot of guys. I, I know I, I called Di Pietro, I, I called my cousin Dan Maggio who played and uh, Cassian and stuff like that and I kind of just reached out to guys around me that I knew and kind of asked them what they thought and they all said I mean if you can go home and play in front of your hometown uh, that's something that's so special uh, and you might as well try to, try to do that so uh, I, I think that's kind of what happened and I'm glad I did it. Wait a minute you were playing a pickup hockey game in Ottawa wearing no. a Spitfires jersey? Oh okay. No I was, I was in Windsor I was in Windsor but Obviously, my dad being a trainer for Windsor, uh, I have I have a bunch of of gitch. So I had a uh, a spit sweater on, and next thing I know, I'm coming off the ice and thinking I'm putting it back in my dad's closet. And then uh, a few hours later, I'm a Spitfire. So yeah, it was that's a, crazy. Yeah. And how would you describe? Well, now your third year in Windsor. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been unbelievable. Um, my first year was definitely tough. I, I didn't really play a lot. Um, we had such a great team here in Windsor. And, um, I think that was kind of the year that it was uh, a make or break how, how I was going to do in my, my year after that. So not being able to play a ton my second year was tough, but definitely gave me a lot of mental strength to, to kind of know that I had to put in a lot of work if I if I wanted to be a good player in this league and uh, have, a, have a chance to play pro uh, after this is, is all done. So I think that was definitely a great building year. And then the COVID year obviously was really tough, um, just not being able to come here and play. And, uh, it was even tough to find ice. So uh, that, that was tough. But then coming back last year and having a bigger role on the team and the team that we had, obviously, you have the best player in Canada, I believe, in Wyatt Johnson. And, uh, Will Cooley, obviously, highly touted uh, Rangers prospect. But then you have uh, the three overagers that we had in D'Amico, Hano, and Perot. They're all unbelievable players, and they all deserve to be playing pro. So I think that was definitely – that was it was finally – it was like all my hard work kind of paid off the last few years where I've kind of been in the shadows. And uh, really the first time in, in four or five years where I was kind of back to my play style of scoring goals and, and making plays and stuff like that. So that was definitely uh, surreal. It was great watching you, um, your skill level, your skating level. I wanted to ask you about that COVID year. Like, um, how did you handle that? Like, what did you do during that time in preparation for last season, the 2021-2022 year? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely really tough, especially in Ontario. The, the lockdown was really strict, so... Um, I was, I'm fortunate enough, my dad, obviously I said it earlier, being a trainer, we have, we have a home gym here and, uh, we have a shooting room with synthetic ice. So, uh, I was able to put my skates on and, and I figured, I mean, if no one else is able to, to, to work, I might as well try to put on five times, six times the amount of work. So I was basically down there, uh, every day. Um, that's really all I did. I didn't even play video games or stuff like that during, during the lockdown. I, I would just shoot pucks or stretch or. Uh, workout because that's all I really could do in rollerblading. Um, I, I even remember a few times I, I got fined for rollerblading because uh, uh, a few of us would play two-on-two -two, uh, rollerblading at parks and, and we'd get kicked out and fined. So I think that's kind of when I realized that uh, staying here for a full winter might be tough and maybe stunt my development and I knew what I needed to do to, to develop for when the OHL is back. So um talking with my agent I, I went over to sweden and played a year there uh, i was there for four four and a half months and i played pro there so i think that was something that um kind of really shaped me to the player i am today i mean my first few years in the league it was when you're a younger guy in this league it's get to the red line chip it in and um that wasn't really what i what i was used to growing up so i think i lost a lot of the confidence in myself and then going over there and it's completely the opposite. It's all puck possession and uh, they don't want you to dump it in unless you kind of have to. So I think that really helped my game out, just being able to really possess the puck and um, play against older men, guys that are 35, 40, definitely, definitely helped me out coming back to the OHL. I, wa I wanted to talk to you about that time in Sweden. First and foremost, how much of a culture shock was it? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, you're going there and it's, minus 30 it's minus 35 and we were going through the cold winter months of uh i think it was late november to, to march or something like that so it was the coldest months and we didn't see the sun 
uh, at all. So it was just wake up dark, go to bed dark. Um, obviously the time changed, so it was tough kind of having to connect. And then uh, you're living on your own there in an apartment. So um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, but uh, me and me and my roommates, we um, we had to walk everywhere we went. So if, if we had practice, it's a 30 minute walk and it's, it's minus 35 out, so you're freezing. So we all bought ski masks so we could kind of be be warm and scarves and we'd have two, three layers of hats on and we'd walk to practice in four or five feet of snow. And it's kind of always like that. Oh, you don't know what I had to go through to get to school in one of those, but uh, it was, it was definitely tough getting to the rink, uh, having to walk through that every day, but uh, it was, it was fun. And then obviously the grocery stores, I think were the hardest thing for us, not being able to understand uh, what we were buying, uh, if it was mayo or, garlic or stuff like that so we would just buy random things and then have to taste test them and see what they were uh, which was pretty funny but um how's your cooking skills my cooking skills are are, i'd say pretty elite um i'm I'm a staple i'm a staple rice and chicken or rice and ground beef um with a ton of garlic salt and that's about it and then I, I i'll find a sauce and put it on but other than that i mean if you're asking me to get creative maybe i can do a pasta and chicken uh pasta and ground beef that's about all i got i can do some eggs but. how many guys are living with you is it you and another guy or more yeah, than there were three of us so. three of us is that, yeah, and who I mean, did most of the cooking i think it was me um yeah. i hated doing the dishes after I'd volunteer to, to cook and uh, we were all from, from the OHL. So it was kind of funny, just three guys not really having a clue how to live in Sweden. And we're all 17, just trying to get by. So we'd go to the store and uh, we borrowed, we borrowed a shopping cart for four months. So we kept it at our apartment and we'd, we'd walk to the, the grocery store with our shopping cart. We'd walk right in with it, grab all our stuff, walk right out with the shopping cart. Uh, and then walk it home through through the snow, which was pretty funny. But I think I was I was probably the main cook guy. Um, probably didn't enjoy food for a good four months there, but we got through. What was your welcome to the Swedish league moment? Yeah, so welcome to the Swedish league was probably my first game. Like, there's no there's no easing in. We were we were the last place team in the league. We didn't have a win. And we were at Owen 15 or 16, which is probably why they were recruiting kids from North America trying to come over. Um, and we're playing the number one team uh, called Budin. And we know that they're paying their guys like 60, 70 grand American. And none of our guys are getting paid. So we're like, oh no, we're in one. This is my first, second day there. And we go out there and I step on the ice and I'm expecting like, oh, like it's only the third league in Sweden. Like this will be easy go out and we lose 12 nothing and I was dashed like five or six and I was just like you've got to be kidding me and these guys are like completely just the most skilled players I've ever seen I thought I was a skilled player coming in and they just absolutely put me to work they were flipping it through me everywhere and go to hit them that's what you do in North America you try to hit it as much as you can and they're just you can't hit them because the ice is so big so they just dance around you and, and make quick passes. And I think that after that first game, I, I FaceTime agent. I was like, holy crap, like this is actually a good league. 
So, yeah. Were there former NHL guys in this league or anybody that you knew beforehand? There was a lot of AHL guys. I think it's it's kind of a staple to go uh, maybe a few years in the AHL or the coast and then head over there. Um, in, in the league, there was there was a good amount of draft prospects. I know there were some guys that went second, third round in the draft. Um, but I, I feel like mostly the NHL guys would be in the SHL, the, the top league there. But there were, there were a good amount of AHL guys. I played against one who was an AHL guy for like nine, ten years, and he knew I was English and came up to me, and I, I haven't been chirped in three months, and he's like, I'm going to rip your head off. And I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> you probably could if you wanted to. Just like, let's hope, hope you don't. <laughs> oh, great stuff. And you scored three goals, right? Um, I think it was pretty funny because I get there and I'm right on the power play but our power play percent is like 4% for the year. So I get out there and I'm, I'm passing it to my D-man. I'm climbing up the half hole and I'm going to shoot. And I'm like, I need to work on my shot like so much more than it is right now. So I think that was kind of a big motivation heading into my fourth year was just really having to work on my shot because I went to that Swedish ice and my shot wasn't hard enough to score from that far. So the goalies would have, have time to react. So I was like, I need to really work on my shot. And I think that was kind of a big thing going the last year was really getting a lot of power to my shot because it was like I, I went there and I couldn't score. So I was getting so frustrated. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. And look at you, you pot 38 last year. And you get drafted by the New York Islanders. Uh, tell me about your draft story. Where were you? Yeah, I was, I was at my house. I mean – Obviously, coming back to uh, being a draft year where you can actually go to it was, was pretty cool. But I knew for a guy like myself, uh, there, there was a good chance I was going to go. But at, at the time, you never really know. It's a draft. It's 50-50%. And um, I, just, I just knew for myself I didn't want to go there and, and go undrafted. Uh, I was an overager. So I thought it, it would just be good to kind of not even really watch the draft or pay attention. But uh, obviously, you're going to pay a little attention. So... I had a workout that morning, and my dad was at work, and my mom went to go get me lunch um, and, and get some groceries. So it was just me and my buddy, and we finished the workout, Stefan Dobrich, and we're sitting on the couch in my living room and we're checking Twitter. And I look up, and I see my name. What? Like, oh, this can't be right. And then I get a call from my agent. He's like, congrats. I'm like, on what? He's like, you just got drafted. I'm like, to who? He's like, New York. I was like, the Islanders? He's like, yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. He's like, okay, go celebrate. So hang up. And I, I turned to my buddy, and I'm like, I just got drafted. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it was just me and him there uh, and my two dogs. So we celebrated with the two dogs for a bit. And then obviously my mom rushed home. My dad rushed home uh, from work. And I, I was pretty lucky that I stayed at home. So I got to spend the night with my family and friends and kind of celebrate that way. But, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny not being able to – or not really watching and paying attention to what happened, and then you you look up and your name's on the TV. Great stuff! Congratulations. Did you know the Islanders were interested? Yeah. So we were going through the draft, and I forgot that I talked to them. I talked to them twice leading up to the draft, uh, like the week before. The one was like I'd say thirty minute talk, kind of just getting to know me, uh, kind of just talking about kind of the stuff we are here, where I grew up, and all that stuff. 
And then they, we ended the Zoom call and they said, hey, like, do you have time to do a test later? I was like, yeah, sure. So I get back on Zoom call later that day and there's 150 question tests. Whoa. Yeah, all multiple choice. So I have to print out a paper and uh, go through that test. And, and I think it was a, it's just a really big personality test. They just kind of wanted to get to know you a little bit, uh, see what you were like. And, uh, but I completely forgot because when I was talking to my agent the day before the draft, he was telling me about teams that, that were interested in mentioned the Islanders and they, they like to keep it really tight their stuff so they don't really like to say too much so I didn't think they were a possibility at all and uh, I thought I was going to go to Nashville uh, that was that was in my head I was like well I think Nashville is really really the team and my buddy texted me because I told him a week before that uh, I talked to him and he texted me uh, you're going 142 to the Isles watch I was like, why would I why would he say that like why would he think I'm going to the Islanders and then after I got drafted, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did talk to them twice. Like, what am I thinking? But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it went down. So it was pretty funny. So your buddy predicted you would go 142 to the Islanders. Yeah, he. It was right after right after Nashville picked in the fourth round, and I kind of knew that was the first pick that uh, I, I thought I had a chance of going at. And right after that, he's like, he's like 142 to the Isles. I'm calling it. Because they they were they were the next team that that I talked to, and uh, like two minutes later that ended up happening. But wow. for a second I texted him back and I had it typed and I was like, why would you think that? <laughs> and then <laughs> it ended up happening, so it was pretty funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Matt Maggio is our guest here on for future considerations. Draft pick of the New York Islanders. So you go to camp. Tell me about that experience. How was that? Yeah, that was. That was obviously pretty incredible. I went to Washington's camp a year ago, and I think coming into New York, I, I kind of knew the motto of you got to cut your hair and make sure that you got no facial hair, stuff like that. And even knowing this coming in, I think it was a bit of culture shock, just how professional it really was and uh, how everything is, is so um, first class. Um, I mean, they're going to take care of you and do everything they can to make you succeed. But uh, in turn, they want to see you like, utmost respect and you being 20 30 minutes early um proper manners and, and it's like you're kind of under a microscope for for a month which i was which was pretty cool and uh, i think just being able to go to that main camp and and skate with guys like barzell and, and nelson and bailey and guys that you grow up watching it's so special being able to actually compete and, and and do get against them was was definitely something that was that was humbling and uh, i kind of realized just what you need to work on to, to make that next step, but uh, just how gifted these players are that they sometimes you don't even hear of. You got to play there. You got to play in the AHL too in Bridgeport. How was that? Yeah, that was, that was unbelievable. Um, in New York, I didn't get a preseason game, but I got to go on the team. I got to go with the team to, to New York and see Madison Square Garden and I was in the press box, but it was still pretty cool, I thought. Uh, so I was part of the game day. And just being on that bus and heading into the garden and walking up that ramp and uh, seeing the team meetings and stuff like that, it was it was just so cool. And just kind of how pros, like, handled themselves on game days was, was unbelievable, how focused. And uh, everyone's so dialed in on the bus. No one's talking. They're all just uh, focused on what they need to do that night. And then going to the AHL and – 
it's it's the first time I'm I'm really playing uh, at that level, uh, a real real game. I mean, we played inter squad in New York, but playing against a different team, and I got to play Luca Hino, which was pretty cool uh, in Hartford. But going out there, and I was third line center and second second power play on the half wall. So I, I was pretty lucky. They they put me in a good spot, but I'm also playing center, which I've never really played before. And that was that was definitely something that was tough, but I think it really suited me and uh, being able to go there. And, and I thought I did pretty well, um, but but realizing how good they are at that level too, and they're still not in the NHL, uh, was definitely something that that's really humbling as well. And uh, it was it was obviously really special just going through that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what your biggest takeaway was from that whole experience. You mentioned how focused everybody was, and how um, how the skill level was great. Was there one particular thing that stood out for you? Yeah, I think kind of just the strength of them. Um, they're so strong on their sticks; it's incredible, and kind of just the ways that they can they can make passes happen and look so easy. Uh, whether it's a sauce pass or or catching a pass in their feet and they're still recovering it. I think it's just the little things that, that make them so good that you kind of don't realize. I mean, everyone up there is obviously going to be skilled, but like what makes, let's say, Nelson so good is kind of just how he picks up pucks off the wall or or he can kind of feather passes through players. And that's the things that makes him uh, almost a 40-goal scorer, uh, a, huge, a huge point guy in the NHL where – uh, some guy might have the same skill level, but uh, maybe can't be on, on on the wall as good as him and stuff like that. So I think just the little things that they're so they're so dialed into and they work so hard at that you kind of don't really realize uh, when you're younger. What they tell you to work on as you return to Windsor for your final year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, in that exit interview with with Bridgeport, I got to talk to. Uh, a lot of the Islander staff and and the Bridgeport staff. And I think just the big thing for me was going wherever I'm going to play the most this year, uh, not really having to rush it too much. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I mean, I knew I had a chance to stay there if I wanted to, but I think it was pretty mutual that I wanted to come back and, and play a lot. And um, I'm, I'm not glad I did just because just I can develop so much here and being under Savard and, and Bowler and everyone here. Uh, Smith and Delmore, I'm going to get so much better. But I think just the big thing for me was was actually face-offs were, were pretty big just because I've never played center before in my life. And uh, obviously I'm, I'm not the greatest centerman uh, in that in that aspect. aspect. But uh, then it was just kind of the the other three things with which are kind of getting stronger, faster, and, and, and putting on strength. Those are kind of the things that you hear that every year. But um, – you really realize that when you go up there how strong they are and how fast they are. And uh, Obviously, another year of playing here and uh, being able to be on the ice a lot and in the gym every day and uh, really working my butt off will, will get me faster and stronger. And I think a big thing I want to work on is kind of just uh, being, being fast enough to use my speed at that level as well. It helps with your dad being a strength coach or – or does it? Because he must be on your ass a lot. No, he uh, he's on me a lot. But I mean, he. I think I'm maybe a bit more crazy than him. And I know a lot of people that know him might not believe it. But like, I think I push him more than more than he pushes me. 
Um, I think I'm a bit of an addict kind of trying to improve myself. And he's kind of the one that tells me, Hey, I think like you should take a break here today and maybe, maybe take the night off from shooting pucks or, or working out again, and take care of yourself, get some sleep. And he'll have to be the one kind of giving me warnings. But then when it's his time in the summer and uh, we're standing at Mal the bottom of Malden Hill, then it's his time to go to work. And it uh, just makes me absolutely, I don't even know. He just, it's, it's, it's a tough hour and a half when, when he takes the reins, but obviously he knows how hard to work me and he's done this before and he's done this for years. So just having someone like that who, who, who you're always around is definitely so helpful. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Last couple of questions for our guest, Matt Maggio. I know you're an Islanders guy now, but what team did you like growing up? Yeah. So, uh, my family's all, all Leafs fans and, Oh. Uh, my dad's the biggest Leaf fan, but I went to, uh, I was at my, my, my grandma's house one day, my nana, and my uncle, um, we were playing video games. I was like five, five or six, and I was playing hockey at the time, but I didn't really have a favorite team, and uh, my uncle persuaded me to be a Wings fan, and uh, then I, I come downstairs and tell my dad, and uh, the whole childhood growing up, I was the biggest diehard Wings fan. They were obviously uh, unbelievable at that time with, with that Souk and Zetterberg and with some all those guys they had. And the Leafs were struggling. So I think I picked the right team to kind of have as my childhood team. Yeah, you could argue the Leafs are still struggling. Who, who's, who's your guy? Growing up, who was your guy? Yeah, um, obviously Sid the Kid was, was kind of everyone's guy growing up. Um, but I think just being so close to, to Detroit and Detroit being my team, it was Datsuk. I think I was just so mesmerized by uh, the things that he was able to do, and he was so fun to watch on that team. Uh, so I think I think those were kind of the, the two big guys for me. That's great. Uh, last year in Windsor, do you feel like the old guy? <laughs> I guess so, but, like, I don't know if I look that old. Uh, I, I feel like – Everyone in my rookie year, the older guys look so much older than I do right now. So I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna have to start growing out my facial hair if I can. I don't even know if I can, but um, yeah, I definitely feel like the old guy. Um, but I think that's something that the Islanders. Uh, another thing that they kind of wanted me to to really hone in on this year is coming back. Obviously, there's gonna be nights where I can put up points pretty easy and uh, stuff like that. But they wanted me to come back and, and play the right way every game and. Uh, be the hardest working guy on the team and set an example for the younger guys. They really wanted to see a, a leadership roll out of me this year and kind of kind of helping the younger guys out because uh, there's a ton of great hockey players in the world, but uh, you want to find guys that are great on the ice and off the ice. And uh, I think that's something that I've really embraced and trying to get this team uh, back to back to where we were last year and have another kick at that that Mem Cup. So uh, yeah, I think that's something that. Uh, I've really taken uh, to another step is kind of just trying to be a, a leader for the younger guys. I know you fell one game short last year in the OHL final, but uh, how confident are you that this team can, can get back there this year in your overage year? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're coming back for one more year, and I had a little scare of, of not knowing if I was going to be able to come back. But uh, I know coming back, a big thing for me is I want to I want to win this year. Uh, it's my last shot at it. And I think that's something that I've been I've been in the finals twice now, so I know what it kind of takes to, to get over that edge. And 
I think uh, third time's the charm. So I definitely want to see that happen this year. But um, yeah, obviously, I think we've got a really good younger team this year. Uh, a lot of it kind of comes down to Wyatt Johnson coming back. And uh, even if he doesn't come back, I still think we got a great team. Obviously, uh, it takes trades to, to win a championship. You saw that last year where we had to acquire Perot and, and Curry and stuff like that. And Hamilton obviously acquired McTavish with, and Jack I, which was ended up being huge for them. But uh, I think with, with the right uh, touches from, from Billy, I, I think there's no reason we shouldn't be back there this year. I mean, it's, it's only been a brief stint so far, but I think uh, our team's showing a lot of great things. And I think we have some of the most underrated guys in the league from Pierre and Christopoulos and Milad and Abraham. And I, I, don't, I think there are guys that maybe don't get the recognition they deserve, but they're all incredible forwards. And then same thing on the back end with, with Renwick and DeAngelis and so let these older guys um, and then Onuska in the pipes. I mean, uh, I was kind of surprised with the summer that only only Pierre went to camp. I mean, I think a lot of these guys should get looks. They're all incredible talents, and I I hope they they really get what's uh, what they deserve this year. But I think uh, yeah, we're, we maybe don't have the best team on paper, but I think that's just maybe coming down to how underrated we are, and I think that's something that these guys that I that I just mentioned are really trying to prove people wrong. Well, I'm looking forward to the run for you guys this year and to see if you can prove people wrong and looking forward to your performance on the ice, too. I appreciate the time, Matt. Our thanks again to Matthew Maggio of the Windsor Spitfires for joining us on the show and talking about his experience in training camp with the New York Islanders. Interesting enough, guys, here's a guy who plays in front of his family in his hometown of Windsor. He's a Tecumseh boy. What do you think, guys? Is that added pressure if you were a kid growing up playing in front of your hometown family and friends as a 19, 20-year-old? Is that a little bit of pressure for you guys? What do you think? I think it depends on your family. And my family, it would be a ton of pressure. Absolutely. (laughs) My dad was a little critical. And if if I had a turnover, he'd let me know it. So... uh... I know some parents are like, oh, no, you'll get them next time. But uh, not my family, I'll tell you that. I would not want to play in front of my family. I don't even think my family would go to the game, so I'd be perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Mom, we won, we won tonight. How uh, would you play? Mom, I've been in the OHL for three years now. <laughs> Did you score? Yep. Oh, here, here's a loony. As I said, I'm going to give you a loony every time. Yeah, you yeah score. mom, mom, I, I want a, I want a scoring title. I, I broke Bill Bowler's record. <laughs> who, who, who's that? Well, you don't have to worry about him, anyways. But, <laughs> ma, ma, you know, I, I was on the front page of the sports section. We only read the classifieds. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't even notice. It wouldn't be any different. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 somehow I think there's a ton of pressure. You always want to perform in front of your family and friends, especially. Uh, and I appreciate the circumstance that Matthew Maggio finds himself. But, hey, he's got drafted by the Islanders and he's got aspirations to move on to the next level. Yeah, a wise man once told me that's not playing his sport right now. Pressure is for tires. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure is what you put how's, in your how's tires. How's that workout going, Alex? 
stupid quote. Rashad oh loves God, that. That is such a dumb quote. Well, you know what is one of the, like, I, I, I love the Blue Jays' demise a little too much. But I think the best part is the two great lines that came out of the Blue Jays' season were immediately thrown back into their faces in Vladdy's My House comments and Alex yes. Manoa talking about well, he was very, very good in, in game one. It's not like he just imploded and, and it blows up in his face, but the the <laughs> pressure is for tires. Outstanding lines. What an end to the season. And you would have seen all of it on Podcast FFC on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook as well. All the baseball highlights. That's how I find out what's happening in the world of sports is just by following Podcast FFC. We're the only sports outlet right now that's free. You'll be able to find out still what's going on in the world of sports and you don't have to pay bail for anything. So enjoy that. (laughs) <laughs> and if you have any questions for an upcoming debate or maybe some guest suggestions too, send us an email for future considerations at gmail.com. We want to thank our sponsors on this episode and every episode, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and Two nutrition. Two great episodes this week, guys. I can promise you right now, hard stamp promise, Next Wednesday's episode is going to be the best one we have ever released. I'm not here. So have a great time doing the show. It may actually make some sense. And it may not include any sort of, like, who's going who's gonna to rant? Who's going to tangent the entire show? This is, you guys have some thinking to do. As I yeah. guarantee you, at least one of the people that listen to this podcast do it to see what stupid thing I'm going to say, and that's me re-listening to the episode thinking I did a great job. So, <laughs> No pressure, oh, Rashad. Episode no pressure. 159 is going to hang on you guys. Whatever happens to this podcast in episode 159 is on you guys. <laughs> Thanks, for It's going to be the best... It's going to be the best it episode yet. not feeling any pressure, Matt, because you know what? Pressure... <laughs> Eight one in the fifth inning. (laughs) Somehow the air got let out of the tires. (laughs) Oh, have a great weekend, fellas. Talk to you next week for future considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.